Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party with my dad and my sister Mary. Hi everyone and a happy new year to you. This is Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. My name is David Dedrick. And my name is Mary Dedrick. And Mary, a happy new year to you. It's not quite the new year yet, Dad. It is a happy new year because this show is coming out on Thursday, January the 2nd, I believe. And that oh, will be... wait, it's not coming out on New Year's Day? No. Does it usually come out on Wednesdays? No, it comes out on Thursdays. Does it? Yeah. It takes me too long to, to edit this show for me to get oh. it ready for Wednesdays. I thought it came out on Wednesdays. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I tried to get it out. I tried that. I tried it because most of our... Um, almost, well, actually, every one of our previous uh, sidecasts have come out on a Wednesday, because that seems like a good sort of middle of the week sort of situation. I'm not have, don't have Sneaky Dragon breathing down my neck, but uh, I just found with um, me not having a Tuesday with choir that it's too difficult to get the show ready for for Wednesday. It's very it's a very editing heavy show because I have to take out I have to take out all my uh, burping. Oh right, yeah, you know, yes, and so and put it in all the music. And put well, I put in all the yeah the music the burping the burping music. You take out the burping and then you put it back in, but <laughs> in different spots. In different, I have to move it around. I'm so unhappy with my burping placement. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're just like highly critical of your burping. You're like, I want it in, but not there. Uh, and this is an extra, this is an extra um, intimate show this week because uh, you and me are practically sitting in each other's laps, gathered around mic- one microphone because I. Uh, Rather absentmindedly, I forgot. I had to bring in. So having to sit on either side of one, it's very awkward. Yeah, I had to bring in our secondary mic into town so we could record with Uncle David or David M for the um my for the Christmas. David. Your, Uncle, your David. Uncle David, everyone out there is David M uh, for our Christmas shows. And then I've been lazily using it for Sneaky Dragon because I can lean back in the chair and pull it up to my face, and I don't have to lean forward and talk. So it's great. It's great for me. But not so good for you now that we don't have the no, second microphone. No, no, not good for either of us. <laughs> but anyway. We're going to share a cold. So we t- I decided we were going to do something a little different, Mary. Okay. Why? Well, this is, you know, spice things up, make the show have some exciting things. It's not the same thing every every t- every bi-week. Okay. So... What are we doing? Well, what we're going to do is... Why did you mean, why did I switch things up? Don't you think that's a good idea to switch things up? I don't know. We switched things up for the past, like, two weeks. I guess that's true. I yeah. decided to switch it up even further. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm keeping the switching up going. All right. This is the this is December, which also is known as Switch Up Month, as you know. But isn't this episode coming out in January? This is January, which is also known as Switch Up Month, as mm, you know. Okay. So we've got two Switch Up months. No, just one. I was I misspoke <clears throat> the first time. So wait, what about the last two shows? They were that also was Switch Ups. That wasn't Switch Up. They were Switch Ups. No, that was Christmas related. Okay. This is Switch Up Month. Okay, so, so that means that you the other January episode. Or this, episodes. They're all going to be the same. They're going to be switch-ups too? Well, you don't expect that. It's a switch-up. Mm. You think they're going to be different, but they're the same. Okay, it's this, the is, ultimate no, this is nonsense. This is <laughs> the highest level of nonsense. So what did we do this week, Dad? <laughs> it's my favorite kind of conversation, to be honest with you. Um, Just like circular? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what I thought we'd do this week. Dad likes a conversation that is basically just like tying a knot. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Impossible around. to untangle. Yeah. I just want it to constantly be a rabbit going into the hole mm. and then coming around the bush yep. and then back into the hole yep. and then coming around the bush mm-hmm. and then back into the hole. Just keeps going around forever yeah. and everything's getting all tangled up and <laughs> moving my arms around. Oops, hit the mic stand. <laughs> so 
what I thought we'd do for this episode, Mary, mm-hmm. since yes. you asked, mm-hmm. is uh, we would do a kind of like, I don't want to call it a best of 2019, but we'll call it, we'll call it my favorite things I've heard in 2019. Right. How's okay. that sound? No, that sounds good. So that's not necessarily the best because, you know, there's things I miss because I don't get to hear them. Right. They might be, other people might have heard them, but I miss them. They weren't, in, they weren't in my Spotify playlist. You don't use Spotify. I don't use Spotify. That's what it was in my Spotify playlist. And so, you know, like, everyone, but everyone hears things throughout the year, I assume, that are, are new and they're different, and you like them. And then so I thought I would celebrate things that I heard that were new and are different, and in case people out there hadn't heard these songs before. So there's some that I left off the list, um, sometimes because of, uh, I just wanted a top ten, but also there's some things I thought were kind of obvious. Mm. Like, like what? Well, for instance, Brittany Howard. Okay. Who? who sings in Alabama Shakes. Oh. Who I think is a pretty well-known band. <laughs> yeah, it and is. she doesn't really need my help promoting her new solo album called Jamie. Mm. But it's a very, very good album. Right. And if I felt like she was less well-known than she is, I would have included a song from that on this list. For... Mm, okay. But I feel like she's very well-known and she doesn't need my help. Even though I really like that album a lot. It's really great. I think it's better than that stuff she's done with Alabama Shakes, to be honest. Which I thought was a little too... Whoa, Dad. Throwing down the gauntlet. Yeah, you know, I like to throw the gauntlet down. But I think if you listen to that album, you'll agree with me, everyone. I'm just going to... I'm just going to get a better... Get better sound this way. Oh, that's better. Yeah. Okay. That's, okay. My voice has gotten better because I moved my position around this uh, microphone we're sharing. So I thought we'd start off, though, with a couple of songs that aren't in the top ten. These are bonus tracks. Hmm. That I thought I would include. These first two tracks? These first two tracks are bonus tracks. Mm, okay, interesting. And I want to put them at the beginning because I want to have the top 10 to be their own thing and not to have anything at, follow it to the end. We're going to end with, with a song I, I love mm-hmm. and I want to throw in a couple of songs that I like. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the first song we're going to play is by the band Mountain Goats mm. from their, yeah. their album. What? The, what's that? Um, yeah, it's, just, it's at the end of the CD that, you, that I gave you. Oh. It's the second to last song on it. But I'm switching around the order here a little bit. Okay, well, that's going to be... Okay, well, just the last two songs are going to be the first two songs. That's that's the only thing that's going to be confusing for you. Okay. So this is uh, uh, Mountain Goats and their song Younger. And I'm going to play it for you. And I think listeners will know why I have included this song. And it's merely for a very simple and yet perverse reason. And let's, uh, let's listen to it starting right now. Okay. Saw a face there once before when I was younger 
catch a flame Call the night by name Stay out your dark position
All right, so that was Mountain Goats. Uh, and maybe I didn't say this before the song started because Mary got confused by my mixing everything up on her. But um, this is from their album In League with Dragons, which obviously came out in 2019. And uh, the song is called Younger. And the reason I included it, Mary, do you know why I included it? Um, because you liked it? I like it okay. But what I really like about it is it has the saxophone part in it. Okay. And it goes along with my theory of the reemergence of the saxophone as, as an instrument in instrument of choice for uh, for the uh, late the late teens here okay and i know did you say late oh sorry I, late I thought, teens yeah i thought you were trying to say that the mountain goats were- no 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 i mean that i think and this is something we were talking about the other day at home uh when you we Eve, you and i were talking about this or at least i was talking about it and you, you were making fun of me we were, mom was there too we were all making fun of you you were making fun of why were you making fun of me because we don't think that the saxophone the reemergence of the saxophone is this major yeah, it is major. It's not. It's really interesting. It's not because for so many years, it's not interesting. It was like it was like a a, a besmirched instrument, Mary. The saxophone was besmirched by the eighties because the eighties was the, the 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 era of the smooth sax sound. Like you know, you can kind of blame Steely Dan if you want. If you want to blame Steely Dan, it's oh, I'm okay with that because I understand what you, what you mean. But it's kind of like but Joni Mitchell be part of it too. Like in the late seventies, you know, kind of. MR, you know, like adult oriented rock, let's call it that rather than middle of the road. Adult oriented rock, like Joni Mitchell or Steely Dan and stuff, got really jazzy. Like they really got into their jazz roots. And so they started using the saxophone in their really kind of smooth, but they really did like a smooth jazz kind of thing. So it wasn't like right. hard bebop or anything, which is really hard to sing to. So I understand why they did it. So it was kind of like rock combined with jazz and it became like smooth jazz. Mm. And so smooth jazz then did the natural thing of just getting smoother. And it got smoother and smoother until you got into the 80s when you had like this really syrupy jazz uh, or, you know, saxophone stuff as as best um, uh, a, a best example. That would be Kenny G with his like endless recycling of the same kind of sounding songs uh, with his, you know, mellow sax sounds of Kenny G. Mm-hmm. And so I think that by the end of the 80s, you know, by the time you get to grunge and stuff like that, no one wants sax in their songs. Forgetting about the fact that the sax played by Steve McKay on the Stooges Funhouse is like kind of a highlight of that the second side of that album but the saxes went out a bit out of favor for a long time right you just didn't hear it unless you were listening to like the squirrel nut zippers you know or some kind of like you know one of those kind of uh retro bands of the of the the mid 90s where they're you know like kind of these sort of pretend jump bands or whatever but other than that the sax was out strictly out mm-hmm. but i feel like now we're kind of seeing it reemerge in in various songs in various ways so so that's why i played this song and also i do like the song okay. although i kind of think the mountain goats are kind of like the poor man's neutral milk hotel. They have a similar sounding singer, but they're way more they're way more um they're way more prolific than than the guy from Neutral Milk Hotel. Oh yeah. Like uh I think this is the 16th Mountain Goat really? album. Yeah. Oof, wow. And that's a lot. It is a lot. And uh, so this album is a concept album though. I thought this was interesting because this is what the album's about, Mare. It's about a wizard. Okay. Who's at the end of his career. Okay. And he has to defend his land from mar- bands of marauders mm. so, with the help of dragons. Okay. As well as retired baseball pitcher Doc Gooden. Okay. Who famously threw a no a no hitter mm-hmm. on acid. Okay. And uh, who's trying to make a comeback. Okay. And then also an arms dealer who loves country and western music. Mm. So those are his helpers hmm. as they fight these b- band of marauders. Yeah. And it's produced by the Canadian composer Owen Pellett, who used to perform under the great name Final Fantasy. Mm. He's a very interesting uh, musician. 
and yeah, at a very young age, won the Polaris Music Prize oh, good in two thousand six. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's uh, it was pretty good. What do you think of the song? I thought it was good. You thought it was good? Yeah. What did you like about it? I thought it had like a good sound. Yeah. I thought it had like a cool kind of energy. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It was like interesting. You also like wizards. I do like wizards. Yeah. I, I, I've said this before. I don't listen to the lyrics the first time I listen to a song. Okay. So it's hard for me to base anything off of that the mm-hmm. first time I hear a song. Yeah. But... So, so then I heard the song once? Yeah. Oh, Mary. What? I gave this music like a week ago. That is not true. Well, because I had a... you had it in your car. Well, I know, but because you wouldn't take it home. Because you couldn't take it home. You're living with us. Yeah. <laughs> Not driving. I wasn't driving around. It was Christmas time. <laughs> what, what is, okay, well, okay, so you guys, you guys open presents. I'm just going to go drive around and listen to this CD. That's a good idea. That's a fun thing to do, by the way. Drive your car around and listen to music. It's a waste of gas. I'll often just sit in my car and listen to music. What am I, a millionaire? <laughs> Using up all that gasoline? <laughs> all right. All that guzzoline? Come on. So our second bonus track, Mary. Mm-hmm. Is? Is the unthanks. Okay. Uh, from their, they have, they put it a three part CD, like a three CD set last, last year mm-hmm. in the year 2019. Right. Notice how I'm speaking in the past tense. Cause I'm like making this show real. Right. Real yeah. 2020. Yeah. Like you got to pretend that it's, you have to learn to like roll with the flow here, dear. And so, um. Okay. I'll do my best. Well, just, yeah. Dude, that's all I can ask. That's all I asked for. <laughs> so I'm mixing up my notes here. Cause I, I also had my notes in uh, the, the wrong order. Why don't you number the pages? No, nah, I don't know. Just too. Too much, too much time. It takes like three buttons to do that. Yeah, so many buttons, Mary. It's three not, buttons. Oh that's my god, not that many. Uh, do you use Microsoft Word. Have you ever, have you ever had um, the difference between a zipper and buttons? Yeah. Three buttons is a lot. It's true. Do you use Microsoft Word? I do. It's so easy. It's okay. Oh my god. I'm, I'm all right. I'll, I'll survive. It's just I'm, I'm like you. I mixed up. I should have put these at the beginning. That was my mistake. Hmm. But anyway, so this is a. Uh, so they did a three. CD set. Okay. It's a lot of CDs. Yeah. The first CD is, I can't remember who the subject of the first CD is. I'm sorry. It's a, it was a woman protester. Uh, Rosa Parks. No, no. It's a British w- a woman protester. And, uh, and they wrote, they wrote songs about this, about her protest. Okay. For the first CD. Okay. The second CD is based on letters from World War One. Okay. Between men and women. And then the third CD, which is where this song is from, this song is called The Night is Darkening Around Me. Which, and by the way, the, the album's called Lines. So this is Lines Part 3, Emily Bronte. And so what they did was they took the poetry of Emily Bronte and they put it to music. And then the Bronte Museum, which is called the uh, Parsonage. Was, Lillian Balaka. Lillian Balaka. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, dear. And that's the protester. Yes. So we're talking about Emily Bronte. So they, they took the poems of Emily Bronte and they were able to record them in the actual home that she grew up in, cool. which is now a museum in England. So they went to this place called the Parsonage, and the Parsonage gave them permission to record in the museum after hours, and then also to use the family piano, mm. which is interestingly a five-octave piano, which meaning it has less keys than, than a modern piano. Oh, interesting. So it maybe has 61 keys, for instance. So it doesn't have a full... It doesn't have the full range of a of a modern piano, so oh, okay. you have to kind of play within your play within that though, those those octaves, the lesser octaves. But I thought that was kind of interesting. So anyway, so I'm gonna play that this song by the Unthanks. I really do love What's the, the song Unthanks. Again? This song is called "The Night Is Darkening Around Me." Right. And uh, so let's give it a listen, and then we'll come back and we'll, we can talk a little bit about it.
Mary, well, what did you think of uh, this interpretation of Emily Bronte by the Unthanks? Well, not knowing that it was um, based on Emily Bronte, mm-hmm. I thought it was a little intense. Okay. You know, I just felt like I was like, ah, I don't know. It's a bit much. Yeah. yeah. You know, it just seems like kind of like, you know, like overly, maybe they're like taking themselves too seriously okay. or something. Okay. Um, you really are describing Emily Bronte. Yeah. Who was intense? Yes, took herself very seriously. Yes, and I don't blame, and that, and that's not a criticism of her because she obviously wrote at a time when, in order to succeed as a woman, you, you had, had to, to take yourself yeah. very seriously. Yes, you know, yeah, you had to be like a pretty intense, mm-hmm. severe person, or sure. you wouldn't, you wouldn't make it, sure. right? If you, if you were just, if that was, if writing was just something that you wanted to do, you probably weren't going to succeed. But if it was something that you needed to do, yeah. Right. Well, That's... someone, yeah, she's kind of the anti-Jane Austen who did not put herself forward, who mm. wrote as a woman, did not right. use her name when she wrote. Yeah. Because it would be shameful for her family mm-hmm. to have a woman who wrote in it. And who, yeah, never, who, you know, basically relied on her talent in order to succeed as a writer, which luckily for her happened within her lifetime. Yes. Often it doesn't. Often it's years after someone has written and, you know, yeah, or they done reach any some sort of fame. Yeah, or like Frida Kahlo. Who throughout her life was really just known as, you know, a spouse of Diego a, Rivera. Of Diego yeah. Rivera, yeah, the spouse of a famous um, artist, and then it was really, you know, after her death that she was uh, sort of revealed to be a fan, or uh, not revealed to be, but sort of realized to be a fantastic artist yes. in her own right. Sure, sure, yeah. So, so anyway, I th- I think Rachel and Thank has has such a beautiful voice. I just love her. I guess she's an alto. And uh, I just love her, just love the tone of her voice so much. And her sister Becky also is beautiful, but Rachel has that really kind of, it's a very curious, almost horn-like sound to her voice. And it sounds bad to describe it as that, but I think it's very beautiful. Okay, so those are two bonus tracks. These are not part of the top 10 proper that I I chose. Can I say something? You sure can. I did not notice a saxophone in either of those songs while listening to them. Well, there wasn't one in the Unthanks, but there was one in... Uh... I thought that, that was... What was that all about? No, no, I just put the Unthanks one because I like the Emily Bronte Oh, thing. okay. Because I was going to say, I did not notice the saxophone in either of those. Yeah. But I did notice the saxophone in another song on the on the album. Mm. Uh, Shannon Lee. Yeah. yeah. On Shannon Lee's Death Up Close. Yeah. Death yeah. Up Close. Um. So, yeah. I- anyway. No, that's... Yeah, no, it's uh, that's funny. Well, I, just because it's become so common now in modern music to have a saxophone playing, I you don't, don't think notice that's anymore. True. It's a pr- proof positive of my of my theory not true okay so i didn't put this in any particular order i didn't order this in from favorite to, to least favorite or from least favorite that's weird uh i didn't order this from favorite to 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 you know most favorite or or best to bestest or anything like that i just <laughs> best to most best yeah favorite <laughs> best bester bestest 
I just <laughs> I just I, ordered I it. Didn't, I didn't order this order this on a scale of one to ten. Yeah. With one being favorite and then ten being also favorite, but a little bit more so. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I I just put them I put them together in a way that was like I could listen to in the car and enjoy the right. Enjoy it. It, it, it. And I programmed it in a certain way. So which is what I like to do with music. I don't I don't just like haphazard musical music being put together. So this is not in any particular order, everyone. This is just 10 songs, which I really like this year, that I thought of as I was putting this list together. Right. I'm sure I missed some. And if I think about them later, I'll be kicking myself in the pants. And there were some that I, I put on and then I took off. For instance, um, the song Cattails by Big Thief, mm. which I really do look, like that song a lot. And it's probably like number 11 on my list. But it just kind of wore on me through repeating. Right. And so I took it off. Okay. Because, uh, you know... In order for it to be like your favorite song, it also has to be like something you can listen to over and over again. Mm, yeah. You know? Well, um, you know, I, I do have a song that I would like to put up for consideration at the end of the, the mix. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. And we'll play that one. At the end. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Unless I don't like it, which case I'm not going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's start off with a, a good opening track. I think this is the Atlanta-based band Omni mm. from their, believe it or not, Mary, 2019 album i don't think you keep networker i don't think you need to keep the year just so people know okay these songs are all from 2019 yeah that's right that's why they're the best of 2019 i know okay okay anyway so this is from their 2019 album networker okay and the song is called sincerely yours so let's give it a listen everyone Share. 
All right, the sounds of 2019. Omni. So, I know why you liked that song, Dad. Why do I like it? Because it sounds exactly like Stephen Malcolmus and the Jicks. It doesn't sound like Stephen Malcolmus. Yes, I thought it, it sounded does. more like field music. Nope, it sounds like Stephen Malcolmus. <laughs> Egg, exactly. The guy's voice. Yeah. So much. I was like, this is Stephen Malcolmus. I I think they do draw. I think well, I think they do draw from like post-punk uh, indie music of the '90s for sure. And then I went and I looked to see who it was. Mm-hmm. Not Stephen Malcolmus, but yeah. if you told if I you told me if you told me it was, I would have believed you. This year, Stephen Malcolmus made an all synth album. Hmm, sounds bad. Uh, it's not terrible, but I'm not a huge synth guy. Yes. So... Well, personally, I really don't like synth. Yeah. And I also really don't like Steve Balcomus. Well, since you say that, Mary. Yes. I'm going to play a, a track from that album. No, I'm just joking. I'm not going to. This Thank is going to be straight, straight the 10 songs that we, that yes. I've chosen. But, plus those other two. Plus, those plus other two. the one that I'm putting in for consideration at the end. I'm trying to think of the name of the album that he did, but I can't, it doesn't pop in my head now. I don't have it yet, by the way. So that's why I don't know it very well. But I... I've been kind of putting off buying it because it's all synth. But you know what, Mary? Yeah. I do have to buy it because I have all of Stephen Malkmus's albums. Right. And all of Pavement's albums. So I need to have that album in my collection. Otherwise, I will curl up in a ball, as you know. So, so what? but did you like Omni? Did you like this song? No. Oh, you didn't like this song at all? No, it sounded like Stephen Malkmus. It doesn't really. It does, and I didn't like it. Oh, I really like them. Uh, yeah, so I was, was going to say, well, this is their first album for Sub Pop Records. Are you talking about their album Sparkle Hard? No, that's oh. a Jack Jicks album. No, he did a solo album just oh, for, a solo in 2019. Album. Yeah. Oh. Uh, that's not Groove with the Denied. Groove Denied. That's the one. Thank you. Yeah, that's his new album. Sorry, I didn't realize that it was. Uh, it wasn't with the Jicks. Yeah, yeah. What's wrong? Well, poor Jicks. Well, yeah. Just I guess they were they were the uh, drum machine. Oh, sorry. I guess they were the you know the thing keeping him away from the synth. Keeping him back. Keeping him, holding back him back from the synth. I don't think the Jicks have broken up. I think it's just he's doing a. a a little experimental bit of music for on, on its own. But they might be broken up too. Who knows? You never know with bands these days. So the band is made up of two guys. One guy's name is Frankie Broyles. And he plays, uh, he's a guitarist. And he was formerly a member of Deer Hunter. Another band that almost ended up on this list, by the way. Oh. And then another guy is a former member of this band called Carnivores named Philip Frobos, mm-hmm. who's a bass, bassist singer. Okay. And so I guess they were in their bands, but were very unhappy. I don't think that Bros was still in the Carnivores, but he was in another band in between starting Omni with, with Robos. And so he wasn't very, you know, he wasn't very happy in that band. And so he was just kind of recording music on his own. And then just out of curiosity, he sent it to Frobos. And then Frobos added his own kind of added bass and stuff to it. And then they really enjoyed what they were doing. And they started kind of like working, sending back and forth the music mm-hmm. and and. Before they knew it, they had an album, and so they recorded that album. They did two, uh, this is their third album, they did two albums for a different label, and then this is their first for Sub Pop, which I guess is a way, as sort of like emerging as kind of the label right now. They have a lot of really good artists on it. I'll mention their name a few times through this list, actually. So, um, yeah, and so Broyles also does plays the drums on the songs. Oh, okay. And then I guess they have a touring drummer named Billy Mitchell, but he doesn't play on the album. He just, he just plays when they tour. So, yeah. But I kind of feel like, I don't know if it comes out in this song so much, but in a couple of other songs on the album, it's kind of a weird combination of post-punk, like that very angular guitar sound of mm-hmm. post-punk, and then uh, kind of borrowings from yacht rock, because the songs have a kind of a smooth element too, like kind of a smoother yeah, rock sound as well, uh, which I, I think it's kind of an interesting uh, kind of, whatever you would call it, synthesis of music. Synthesis. Yeah. Why do you say- talking about synth. 
Yeah, but I'm, this is synthesis, not synthesizer. So yeah, I thought that was pretty good. I'm sorry you didn't like it, but I thought it was very good. It's okay. I hope other people out there enjoyed it. I'm saying it was a bad start to the mix, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to the next song. This is uh, this artist is called Wise Blood, and this song is called Something to Believe from her 2019 album, Titanic Rising. And so let's give that a listen. Okay. Drank a lot of coffee today Got lost in the fray I gave all I had for a time Then by some strange design I got a case of the empties The ruler of my world A lost, forgotten pearl and
All right. So, Mary, what did you think of uh, what did you think of of Wise Blood and her song "Something to Believe"? I thought it was a little bit whiny. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like her voice was whiny. Yeah. Or just the song? I don't know. There's just something about it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. You're not liking these songs of 2019 very much. No, so far. not so much. But I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. Huh. Interesting. Just these two. Huh. So, uh, Wise Blood is the nom de tune of uh, of Natalie Maring, and she is a singer songwriter who comes from Philadelphia, well, from Pennsylvania. Okay. And I guess her family, like her dad was a rock musician. He put out, he had an album put out in 1980 by on Elektra Records. And I don't know what the album was, but he had an album put out. But I guess he retreated from rock music and became a born-again Christian. Hmm. And that was kind of the envi- environment that, that uh, Marion grew up in. But her mom is a performer, and her brother is now a performer, and he performs under the name Raw Thrills. And so I think it's interesting that both of them, her and her brother, perform under kind of nom de tunes yeah. as if they're escaping their past or somebody have to cut themselves off from who they were to right. now who they are. Yeah. I find that really interesting. Yeah. So I guess, I guess marrying when she was a teenager, stopped believing, okay. became an agnostic or I don't think she goes as far as saying, calling herself an atheist, but atheist agnostic kind of situation. Yeah. And uh, started going into Philadelphia and sort of filled her life with the music that she was really interested in, which was, weirdly freak folk and noise rock and so she became like sort of doing this very experimental folk music with a lot of like you know like a lot of ambient noises and stuff in in it and like and or synthesized sounds and and things and she put out a couple of records that are very that draw heavily like i say from from folk but very kind of droney folk she played with um the kind of folk slash noise experimental band jackie o motherfucker who are based in Portland, and I guess she moved out there, and she played with him for a while. And then she also uh, worked with with the uh, Ariel Pink, the oh, kind of okay. lo-fi bedroom recording artist. So she she kind of comes from this very kind of small musical background, like kind of small. I don't say small in the sense of narrow, but I mean this kind of very low-key musical background. Um, but this album is a real departure for her. And once again, this is uh, a sub pop record. This is her first album on sub pop. Okay. So sub pop's really to me signing some of the really, some really interesting artists right now. Uh, yeah, so this album, I think, like the, where the previous albums, like really, if you listen to like the other albums, they remind me a lot of Jerry Yester and Judy Hensky's album "Farewell Elder Baron," which is a very experimental folk album. Mm. It's like folk artists doing experimental music, and so it kind of draws on two things. And right. so early albums really have this. Where this album, I think, draws like from classic late seventies sounds, particularly oh, okay. from Joni Mitchell, okay, like cool. Kajira, right, or even her later stuff. You can really hear that in in this in this music, and then. Also, um, from like a lot of songs, I think feel like they're from the Great American Songbook kind of songs, kind of like Cole Porter, oh, okay, cool, and stuff like that. So like, like she's a real fan of like Judy Garland and 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 loves Hoagie Carmichael. So yeah, it's a real um, it's a really interesting mix. I'm sorry you didn't like it. I think it's a beautiful. No, no, uh, track. I, I didn't. I, I didn't it. think it was bad. I just it wasn't exactly for me. Mm-hmm. You know. And for someone for someone like her who's exploring, the, I I think the album kind of deals with a few different things, which I find fascinating. As an older person who is in a, like a long-term relationship, things I don't have to worry about are things like, well, for her, obviously, loss of belief hmm. is a big part of her life. Yeah. So something to believe in the idea of finding some sort of new connection to to her world. So she's lost Christianity, which was her previous sort of defining belief, mm-hmm. and now she needs to find something new, you know. And so she she's talking about that, but also she's talking about that she needs to believe in love. So 
this feels like kind of a breakup album in a way or an album about failed relationships right. where there's another song on it where she's the song is about a, con- a con- conversation with this guy at a party who doesn't believe in monogamy and so the idea of the idea of investing yourself in a person who is not going to who's not going to invest in you right you know and th- so the songs have this sort of feeling of searching for love in this sort of modern world where you know it's a sort of a generation of people that I cannot understand in, in many ways because I, I'm not part of their their paradigm shift of their world, you know, mm-hmm. of Instagram and photoshopping yourself and and uh, you know and the sort of very tailored image that you present to the world that kind of takes over your life, kind of I think is a big part of. The, so it creates sort of a interesting sort of shallowness that makes it hard to penetrate in terms of like finding true love, mm. and that's what she's sort of singing about anyway. Interesting. So yeah, I think it's a very good album. I highly recommend it. It's called uh, Titanic Rising, and everyone. And guess what year it came out, Mary? Uh, twenty fourteen. You are wrong. It came out in twenty nineteen. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, this one too, huh? Yeah, that's right. Real theme, real <laughs> theme building here. <laughs> it's a I big think this theme. This is the fourth one. That's uh, and her name is spelled W E Y E S Wise Blood, which by the way W-E-Y-E-S. comes from the. Uh, okay. Yeah, and before she spelled it, and blood is spelled normally, although she used to spell it B L U H D. Just to give it a full, full-on weirdo thing, right. but um, it comes from the Flannery O'Connor uh, book, which I never read, called *Wise Blood*. I have seen the movie, the John Huston film that stars um, that crazy a- actor whose name just about came into my head, and now it's gone again. Which crazy actor? What's he been in? Darn. Well, he was in last time I saw him. He was in *Lord of the Rings*. He played Wormtongue. I can't remember his name now, but it'll come to me. It'll come to me later tonight. Mm-hmm. I'll be sit- laying in bed, and right. sitting, I'll sit up and go, blah, blah, blah. "It's so and so." But anyway, yeah, it's about a. But this guy who grew up in a very like super strict religious upbringing, like evangelical Christian upbringing, mm-hmm. where like he had to walk to, in order to atone for his sins, he had to walk with rocks in his shoes. Oh, okay. And just things like that, like this sort of this very punishing, penitent right. life. Sounds fun. Yeah, it sounds terrible. And so he, when his parents die, he like flees his family farm and goes to the goes to this town. It's not like a big city, but it's a, a 1970s big city, I guess. And uh, he starts street preaching. And kind of creating his own syncretic religion, you know, his own kind of made-up religion. Hmm. But he can't, es- in the end, he can't escape his upbringing. It just comes back into his life. He can't escape the guilt. He can't escape the, the need to punish himself. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a very, very good film. I don't know about the book. I like I said, I haven't read it, but the film's very good. I've watched it a few times. In fact, I, I made, uh, I made people at, when I was doing education for ministry, when I was doing, oh yeah, yeah, Bible studies. I, I brought it as a, a movie for us to watch one time for as a conversation. I just thought it was interesting. It's a, you know, as a bunch of people who are sitting like in an Anglican church, bunch of modern liberal know-it-alls, I think it's a good, good sort of lesson of, you know, the reality that our version of Christianity, which we feel is so harmless, we don't understand why people react so strongly against it. Well, here you go, everyone. <laughs> it's a super destructive, yeah. you know, hating, self-hating religion that has the same name. So yikes. Well, yeah, like I remember I was talking to my, um, my boyfriend's dad. Yeah about something i think we were talking about someone and i said about someone that they knew i said oh well it must be hard to be gay coming from a catholic family and he was like oh why yeah and he he my um boyfriend's dad grew up very catholic yeah it's like well because catholics famously aren't very okay with homosexuality yeah and he was like, wait, what? And I was like, how are you not aware of this? <laughs> I don't think he's just, too Catholic, though. Just like head buried in the sand. Yeah. You know, refuses to sort of pay attention to any of that stuff. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Okay. So let's, um, are you looking up Wiseblood? Oh, okay. I thought you were helping me out getting that name. 
Oh. But no, just looking up random things on her phone. Well, because you know how. See, here's an example. This is what this is what Natalie Maring, aka Wiseblood, is talking about. This generation's inability to like look beyond their phone into like true uh, conversation. But anyway, it's fine. It's all good. I'll remember it, Mary. I'll remember it. Oh, I can't remember it. It's so frustrating. Okay. What are you gonna remember? Let's uh, the name of the actor. Let's uh, let's listen to another song. Um, this is our third song, Mare. This is by a band we've played before. I think we played the band. We've, we, we've played the Pernice Brothers on the show, right? Already? We played uh, Working Girls, right? Yeah, we did play Working Girls. Is it Brad Dourif? Brad Dourif, yes. Thank you, sweetie. I was all wrong. I had The name I had in my mind was so wrong. So I'm glad you said that. But Brad did you Dourif, know that he yeah. was also the voice of Chucky in Child's Play? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that he's from Huntington, West Virginia? Which is where the McElroys are from? Oh, I didn't know that. I did not know where the McElroys were from. They're from Huntington, West Virginia. Yeah, that's a very narrow casting there, dear. I don't know. We're listening, we're talking to the podcast audience. <laughs> I think that they are one of the most well-known podcasts out there. Oh, really? I think so. Oh, wow. I mean, they got a TV show. Well, that's true. How many how many podcasts could say that? Mark Marin. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> um, based on their being a podcaster, but it's based on fame they've developed for being a podcaster. Because uh, Mark Marin, I definitely would put in that category. Yeah, totally. I, I'm wondering if... Um, well, I guess... Rhea Butcher had podcasts, but I think she was more well known as a stand-up comedian. Okay, she, yeah, like I'm not going to include like someone like uh, like Paul Tompkins. Yeah, or Pete Holmes. Yeah, Pete Holmes. You know, yeah. he's a stand-up comic and he does have a show, but he also has a podcast. But I would say his show is more about his stand-up than it is right. about his podcast. Yeah. Whereas Mark Maron was like a completely like persona non grata. Yeah. Had burned all his bridges. And then burn mm. them again. Right. And then threw some grenades in after them. Yeah. And then, you know, he had to kind of rebuild his career mm-hmm. through doing the podcast. Well, that's why he's so good. In, that's why he's so good in Glow, because he's been there. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's basically just playing himself. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't know if he's much of an actor. I think, yeah, he's more of like he just plays himself. <laughs> yeah. He's good as like the kind of crabby guy, mm-hmm. i.e. Mark Marin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, let's move on. So, like okay. I was, as I was saying, the Pernice Brothers, I think we've played them before. We played Working Girls. Yes, yep. Uh, but this... As a new Pernice Brothers song. It's called Lullaby from the album Spread the Feeling. From guess guess what, everyone? Guess what year? It's from Yes, you're right, 2019. Oh. Mary, you're gonna be wrong again. I can I see was, that yeah. you're like searching, but I just wanted to help you out. Spare you the embarrassment. Yeah, I wanted to spare you the embarrassment. And uh, so let's give this a listen, everyone.
All right. So that was Lullaby. And Mare? Yes? I have a feeling you didn't like this song either. You know what? I actually liked this one. Oh, did you? Yeah, I thought it was pretty fun. Oh, because I thought it had a kind of an 80s sound to it, and you wouldn't like that kind of... Oh, uh... mm, no, I can see that. Yeah. I do just want to quickly say... Sure. ...that I always get the Pernice Brothers mixed up with the Everly Brothers. Okay. Uh, you're alone in that? Am I? Well... I wouldn't say in your age group, but I would say in the, our listening audience that mm. you are alone in that. Okay. That most people would not take a modern band like the Pernice Brothers and mix them up with a band from six years ago. From six years ago? 60 oh, years 60. ago. Yeah. Sorry. I'll say that more. I'll enunciate more, clear, enunciate more clearly. Yes, thank you. No, that's 60 okay. I don't know, years ago. I don't know why. I just feel like the Blank Brothers also just feels like an old... Okay. You know. It is. Uh, it does have old sound. But I mean, their name before, like, I think the, the name you had before that was like... The, the Scud Mountain Boys. Yeah, the Scud Mountain Boys, I was going to say. And then uh, Chappaquiddick Skyline. Like, I think he's kind of gone for yeah. like kind of these old fashioned sort of sounds. Yeah. Funny names. And it, basically, the Pernice Brothers, although there is a Pernice brother, hmm. there's Bob who plays guitar sometimes. Mm-hmm. But essentially, the band is one person, which is Joe Pernice. Right. Who writes all the songs, uh, co-produces... The songs. Yeah, form the band. Form the form it's the like band. The guy who's in the band. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it's it a, like a rotating, a revolving cast yeah, of players. Yeah, I was gonna players. say it seems like one of those bands that they have a lot of yeah people come in and then they're there for a little while and then they leave. Yeah, and, yeah. But there's like you know one guy who's always there. Mm-hmm, and That's mm-hmm. Joe. That's Joe. Yeah. And so you know this song doesn't really have one of their trademarks, which is that really luscious, shining uh, harmo- har- vocal harmonies they do. Or he does, because it's just him by himself once again, just mostly doing, I think he mostly just says those by himself. And, but this song, yeah, I think he's, this album is more of like a kind of a musical melange of different styles. Some kind of draw from 80s, some from the 90s, some from, from the noughties, and et cetera. And, and uh, yeah, so this one has a real kind of 80s sound, but I like, this is kind of like my favorite sort of 80s sound, this, you know, the guitar rock 80s sound, not the synth 80s sound. And uh, and the nice thing about it is you get a very nice drum sound, so you get the eighty sound without the horrible gated snare. Um, so he's originally from Holbrook, Mass- Massachusetts, Mary. But you know what? What he lives in Toronto, Ontario. Oh, really? Because he's married to Laura Stein, who used to play in the band Jail. Daughter of R. L. Stein? No, oh. no, that's spelled differently. Oh, no. yeah. And okay. R. L. Stein is not Canadian. Right. No, she played in the band Jail, which was like a Halifax. Band circa Sloan, okay. circa Halifax Sloan, like they kind of came out of the same Halifax <clears throat> scene together. Right. Well, um, the Pernice, well, or at least Joe Pernice first started playing music in the nineties. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's pretty circa Sloan as well. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, so he lives in Toronto, Ontario, with with uh, with with her. Uh, Jail were also a sub pop act, by the way. <laughs> oh, were they? Yeah. And then. Um, well, so is the Pernice Brothers, right? No, he's not. They had one album. Their first album was on was on sub pop. Oh. Their first album, um, The World Won't End, I think it was called. That's when oh, The Working okay. Girls is from. But then they've kind of gone around to it a lot. Oh, and then I think <laughs> Chappaquiddick Skyline was on Sub Pop as well. But not not this album, not not other ones. It mm. just, oh, yeah, they're with Ashmont Records. Yeah, Ashmont is his own record label. Okay. Yeah. So, which he does with his manager. And apparently apparently they've had like some hilarious Twitter thing going on for the last little while, but uh, I was trying to find it and I couldn't find it. But mm. uh, I'm going to... They did they acted out with on YouTube with puppets. <laughs> so I'm gonna find that, and I'll, I'll if I can find that, I'll put it in the uh, show notes. But anyway, so so yeah, I really like it. So yeah, so uh, he's a also a writer. He's written he's written novels. Oh, good and he's also been him. a screenwriter. He wrote a, t- a television show called The Detail. Oh, really? Yeah, which was a Canadian TV show. So he wrote for, on that for a year, just a sort of experience. And then apparently he started working on Spread the Feeling, and recorded the, the songs, mixed it, and then 
listened to it and said, oh, this is garbage, and just shelved it mm-hmm. and kind of sat on it for a few years. And then he took them back out again and listened to it and went, well, it's still garbage. But there's maybe a couple songs in here that we can rescue. So then he and then this Toronto-based musician named Liam, Liam J- Jager, or Jager, how do I say his name? They, they like kind of re-recorded, remixed some of the songs that he thought were like salvageable and then recorded a bunch of new songs for the album. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And so he said he was toying with the idea of releasing a double CD called Shitty Songs. So- and, but for every copy sold, he would give the buyer 87 cents, which he felt was, uh, feels like the winning future model for the streaming age. He said, hmm. paying the listener to get your, take your stuff. Right. Yeah. It's like a co-op. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hmm. So there we go. I'm glad you, liked, glad you liked that one, sweetie. Yeah. Well, I liked it. I feel like I was getting kind of sick to my stomach at the idea that you weren't enjoying the songs. No, no. I, uh, I picked. No, I, you know, they, they definitely... Uh... But I have, I have a feeling like with Wiseblood that anyone who loves like that kind of beautiful... Like that beautiful vocal sound of mm-hmm. of that period will really, really like her. Yeah, probably. I think she's a fantastic singer. But anyway, okay, let's move on to our fourth song, Mary. This is the fourth song that I really heard this year that I really liked in the year 2019. Okay. And that old year that we've closed the door on. So wait, this song, so you're saying this is the fourth song you heard in 2019? No, this is just the fourth song on the list of songs that I heard in, oh, that I liked a lot. Just the way that you phrased that was confusing. Okay, I'm sorry I confused you. That's all right. I thought we I thought we explained this at the beginning. I didn't think I needed to like mm. continue clear it up through the, no, I the podcast. No, I have a very very short um, memory. <laughs> okay. I'm basically like Me? a chicken. Oh, you like or a chicken? goldfish? <laughs> okay. Where it's like as soon as I get distracted by something, I forget. Yeah, yeah. What we were talking about before. Well, our chickens they used to like to sit upon the stairs. Yes. On the stairs to our deck. Yeah. In this little spot, they would like to roost there. Then they got attacked by a raccoon one mm. night while I was out here. Fortunately, I was out here, so I was able to rescue them. And then they avoided the steps for a while. Of course. But now they're back again. They've forgotten all about it. Mm. It's just business as usual. They're of like, this course. is the safest spot here. I'm up in the air. Yeah. I'm totally invulnerable to any attack. Nothing could happen nothing to me here. Could, nothing, nothing, could... nothing can or has happened to me here, they say. And the problem with the chick for the chickens is they live with our dogs. So for them, big furry animals that are wandering around are nothing new yeah. or anything scary. Yeah. Because the dogs are terrified of the chickens because they're dogs. Yeah. And so when they got attacked by a raccoon, they're like, what the heck? This giant furry thing is attacking us. (laughs) They're like, these dogs just be scared of us. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, um, the first time Boo met a chicken, he did get pecked on the nose pretty hard. Yeah. We got a little too close. Yeah. You don't get close to a chicken. No, you don't. That's when you get pecked on the nose. (laughs) Just got to tell you, you know, stay out of my space. (laughs) Just like uh, Risa, like... Hisses at them and like pat, bats at them with her paw. Yeah. But she doesn't actually hit them. She just bats towards them with her paw. Oh, she definitely scratched uh, Scout oh, on, really? the, on the snoot <laughs> oh, when Scout was a puppy. <laughs> Poor Scout. Yeah. She's a little scratch in her nose. Well, once again, like chickens, cats, you can't get close to cats. No, you can't. Or they'll peck you on the nose. So, with their uh, claws. So we know what we're talking about, Mary. Mm? We're talking about nature. Mm, yes. Which brings us to modern nature. Okay. And their song, Nature. Mm-hmm. From their 2019 album. You know what it's called? No. How to Live. Oh, okay. So let's give a listen to to nature. Okay, let's hear it.
back. And you know what I'm going to do now? I'm either A, going to ask Mary what she thought of the song, mm-hmm. or B, tell you guys about, about the band. Hmm. What would you prefer? A, thought, or, a thought, or B? I thought the song was fine. You thought the song was fine? Yeah. You didn't like it that much? I, yeah. Well. I really like this album. It's a really good album. Okay. Uh, I, I guess I, well, I've played Footsteps before mm-hmm. from the album. I played it for our uh, for that, when I did that little top five song modern songs featuring sax. Okay. I played it on there. Right. So so I chose this song as like an alt- alternative. There's also a really great nine minute long song, but I didn't want to put a nine minute long song on here. So. Right. I mean, so. I just want to quickly say yeah. that this CD, yeah. even though it only had 12 songs, yeah. was almost an hour long. Yeah. Well, the 12 songs made it that way. I think with, with just the songs as it was, it was 44 minutes. Like this is the, without the two extra songs. Right. Which isn't bad. That's that's like a that's like an album. That's like a good that's like an album length. Yeah, but usually CD. we have like twenty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Usually we have like twenty songs on a mix. Yeah, yeah. And it's. I didn't want to do that because no, then that's no. two shows. But I'm just. I'm and I also just, have to think of songs. But that, I'm just saying that these songs yeah. were all pretty long. Okay. Okay. I think they're modern song length, like four yeah. minutes long and stuff. Four to six minutes. Yeah, all th- of them. those are that's modern song length. I know. Nowadays. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. This like, song this... wasn't. I think the song was like two two minute two and a half minutes. I think. I'm not going to swear to that, but I... It was four minutes long. This song was four minutes long? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was shorter the than that. The Pernice Brothers one was the shortest. No, huh. Shannon Lee was the shortest at two and a half minutes. Oh, maybe that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. But yeah, most of the songs were... Longish. Longish. Yeah. Four that's, that's five modern. minutes. Yeah, four that's modern. Four or five. The, this next song is almost seven minutes long. Well, this is, the next song is more of a jam, kind of jammy song. But, yeah. But yeah, most songs are... Most modern songs are long. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, this seems to be the way it is now. Like, I would... I would love if just like if, movies. Yeah, I would love it if musicians could like parse their songs down to two and a half to three minutes long, like like sixty like classic sixties songs. Yeah. You know, you think how many like great songs that we love and then you look at them in like two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, even this being as crazy as Tomorrow Never Knows, the Beatles uh the final Beatles song on Revolver. You know, it's just a little under I think it's just under three minutes long. Mm-hmm. Like but it's a nutty song. Like, you know, if you did that now, people it would be like a seven minute long freak out, but you don't need it. Like it's perfectly effective the length it is. But anyway, enough of my. I'm gonna get off my soapbox and and we're gonna. Have we played the song yet? Oh wait, we did. We did play it, right? Yes, because then you were gonna a ask me about it. <laughs> that's B, right. That's right. Talk about the thing, and then I didn't give you the chance to make a decision. <laughs> so, so this is the band's first album. This is one. Oh, of the, is it? Yeah. Oh, good for them. So, uh, the band was formed by this guy named Jack Cooper, who did play in another band before this band. The band was called. Ultimate Painting and Mazes, Mazes, Ultimate okay. Painting and Mazes, weird. which I think is a weird name for a band, yeah, uh, who broke up, this is kind of interesting, Mary, they broke up mm-hmm. after finishing their fourth album, okay. which remains unreleased. Weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. But yeah, I guess he couldn't get along so much with a, his fellow band member, hmm. like they had, they couldn't, they're just butting heads so much that they just left the final album unreleased. Weird. I guess they couldn't agree on the mix or anything about it. So, so then he did a solo album. Which was like a kind of a concept album about his town, which is uh, Blackpool, Blackpool or Bournemouth. I can't remember now which exact town it was. Doesn't matter. But yeah, about his hometown. And so then, when he's approaching this project, he started writing songs, kind of based on a th- concept, because he felt like after doing that last album, that the idea of writing songs that weren't like sort of interrelated just made no sense to him. And so he also moved out of London to the sort of the edge of the city. So he's sort of in a suburban area now. Mm, okay. And he became fascinated with the connection, well, the connecting spot between urban environments and rural environments. Hmm. So, you know, like, well, our, where we live is a good example of that. You know, yes. we're kind of like a, we're not a city. No. And we're not the country. Right. But we're like very much situated in the country. Yes. And we're sort of like the sort of 
uh, kind of graduating place between you know urban environments and rural environments. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. what he's fascinated with is the sort of like where asphalt roads become gravel roads, mm. or where a city ends and it becomes rural, like you know becomes farmland. Yeah. You know, and in the name of the the band, Martyr Nature, comes from this diary of Derek Jarman, who was a uh, kind of experimental filmmaker in the 70s and 80s and perhaps farther i don't know i would mostly know him from the 80s and but he was writing in his diaries and he described his garden as modern nature hmm. and when jack cooper was visiting jarman's cottage just sort of out of curiosity he visited it he was really struck by the the fact that it was it's on the coast of um it's on the coast of kent so it's in kind of a rural area but right near these fields, these open fields, is our nuclear power plants. Mm. Nu- you know, nuclear power stations are there. Right. And so Jarman was like looking out at his modern his garden towards nuclear power stations. Yeah. And he called it his modern garden. That's so right. it's a sort of melding of nature and and industry yeah. into one sort of vision. And so that's sort of the, the thematic idea of the album. Mm. And so a song like this, Nature, you can see where he's using like the sort of very much like very kind of German Krautrock inspired sort of motoric beat the k- k- of the song it has this very much with the guitar and the drums are very much locked in a pattern, a repeating pattern. So that's kind of this very mechanical sound. And then you have the the guitar, the free guitar, the guitar solo that kind of bursts out in, in the song is like the nature part of it, you know. Right. So I think it was kind of very interesting, like lyrically and thematically linked, and musically like thematically linked mm-hmm. elements of the music. That's what I really enjoy about it. You'll hear it in Footsteps too, which is a song. If you watch the video, the song is him walking through a city out onto a beach and then into the water and then disappears in the water in the song, which is really kind of an interesting video idea as well. And that song, yes, features a saxophone. All right. So let's move on to a band that I, I love very much. Mm-hmm. I play them often on the show and I will never stop. No, I'll never not. Wait, I'll never not stop playing them. Is that a word? Is that a way to say something? I'll never... I'll never not, won't, can't, but could, possibly will be able to not stop playing them. So you are going to playing them? No, I'm not going to stop playing them. I'm confused. Why? The way I phrased it was confusing? A little bit. I used to take, when I, I took anthropology classes in college and the professor, we would just do like multiple choice tests. Right. Which is easy to write, I guess. And yes. you don't have to do as much reading as you have if you have essay questions. Yeah. I think it was like one essay question at the end. But I don't do as well with essay questions. Right. I do better with multiple choice because it, it cues my memory. Oh, when yeah. I read the answer, I go, oh, yeah. that's the answer. That's the answer. But he would trickily do a bunch of like uh, double... D- double negatives. Double negatives yeah. to try to like trick you into like thinking it was that, asking a question in the opposite way it was. So you had to like read it and cross out some of the negatives in order to figure out what he was getting at. <laughs> it's very curious. That's funny. So anyway... It's not so making it too easy on you. So this is a band... Easy. Still pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. Multiple choice is very simple. That's why I like it so much. You have a 25% chance of getting it right. I'm very simple. Well, he had five He had five answers in his. So. Oh, so you have a 20%, 20% chance, chance of getting it right. But no, that's... but when you when the answer's right in front of your eyes, you have a 100% chance of getting it right. That's not true. Oh, yeah. Very true. No, because then everyone would get 100% on multiple choice. Depends how your memory works. My memory works on cue like that. Mm, okay. Other people do really well on essay questions because they writing about something frees their memory and it starts. they yeah, start to remember things as they're writing. Yeah. Whereas I work... I can when I see something that's right, I go, "Oh yeah, this is the answer." Mm. Okay. <laughs> it's very simple. Okay, so I'm White not denim. boasting. I'm just saying that's. No, yeah, no, all good. White denim. Yes. How how'd you know? Just kidding. It's you... right on the piece of paper there. Yeah, you already said oh. it, didn't you? I didn't say white denim. I just oh, said it's a band that I, I would never not. Oh. I'll never stop playing on oh, this on this show. Okay. And so that, that is. Have we played the song? 
No, we're going to play it now. Oh. This song is called uh, NY Money, which I assume stands for New York Money. Mm. But it's called NY Money. Maybe it's New Year's. From their album. I'm just thinking about New Year's, though. The New Year's Money. No, I don't think that's what it stands for. I think it's New York Money. Okay. And uh, it comes from their 2019 album, Mary, called Side Effects. Mm-hmm. Let's give it a listen, everyone. Okay, let's hear it. This song is very jammy. I love it so much. Okay, let's hear it.
All right. Yes. We're back. Yeah. That was White Denim. Yep. With the the song, um, and it ends kind of abruptly because on the CD it cuts into the next song. Mm. But we just ended it rather abruptly. So, mm-hmm. so um, what do you think of that song, Mary? I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, it's a fun song. I like it. Yeah. It is a little too jammy for me. Oh, well, but... that's, that's not a complaint I have about any jam music. So. I did think it was a good song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an interesting album because, well, like they released Performance last year and like know, six or eight months later they put out this album. So mm-hmm. it seemed like really fast. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, well, for one thing, they built their own studio in Austin, Texas. They have a they have a house there. Mm-hmm. They have sort of a band house. Right. And they they built a studio in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it easier for you to do recording and, and things because you don't have to like book time in a studio. You can just like, when you feel like it, do stuff in your studio. And I guess after last year's performance, which I thought was pretty good, it was a little it was a little slick for me. I feel like this album, because this album is much more kind of wide ranging in, in its songs and, and, and stuff. Because what this album is, is like a bunch of like off cut songs, like things that they were working on, but then they didn't finish or didn't couldn't think of a way to make, you know, make them work or whatever. And so I guess the main, um, the main guy in uh, the main, like the singer guitarist in the band, uh, James Petrelli, he, he, um, I think that's how you say his name. It's P-E-T-R-A-L-L-I. Petrali? Petrali, maybe. Pe- yeah. Petrali? Yeah. So he, what he does when he's driving around in his car, sometimes he would like reach into his glove box and like pull out these CDR demos that he just sit, had sitting in his car. And he would listen to like tracks from the band and he'd listen to them and go, oh, this is a really good song. We should maybe work on this song. And so he started putting together a list of stuff that he liked. And then he and the bassist of the band, James Tabecki, or sorry, Steve Tabecki, or Tara Becky, they started, um, they started working together on the songs and because we've mentioned this a couple of times they lost their original drummer and bass uh, other guitar other guitar player to to um leon carr is that his name the uh leon bridges oh leon bridges yes right leon bridges they um they're kind of like they don't really have like a set drummer or or anyone so they're they have kind of like a bunch of auxiliary members they're using oh, right now right, yep. so they bring in like synth players and and uh, drummers and stuff just on kind of as needed and so yeah so you end up with it but i kind of like it because it kind of fills up the musical palette in an interesting way and so this song you get like this this synth which as i've said before i'm not a huge fan of but i really like it in this song where it's just sort of like used for color not used as part of it you know that's not like a main instrument of the music right i really like it when it's just used for color i think that's where it's best best used and yeah so they just uh they just kind of went into their own studio and when they had time or when they were in, you know, when they're inspired, they would kind of work on these tracks and they put it together really rather quickly and uh, just put it out really fast. It came out. And in fact, this year, so 2019 and late 2019, they just put out a, a live album, which interestingly, they re- didn't record it like at like a concert. They recorded it in their backyard of their house. So they were putting on concerts for people in the backyard of their house, which is on the outskirts of Austin. That's pretty funny. And they just recorded themselves uh into the, this user studio just ran lines from the stage into the studio and recorded themselves hmm. so pretty clever so i'm um, at first i was sort of not that interested in it because i don't really like live albums very much but because they're a pretty no, jammy band but they're a pretty jammy band so they're probably they're, their songs probably stretch out quite a bit live so i'm interested in that and then also mary guess what they're coming to town next year in may oh really i was looking at their tour schedule because i missed them last year because we had people over but this time i'm gonna make it there i'm gonna buy tickets right away cool. so yeah i'm really looking forward to it Okay, so uh, let's. So that's side one. That's side one. That's the other side one, okay. by the way. That's Hard how song? I envisioned it. Yeah. Okay. So we're starting side two now. Okay. So now we're going to hear Aldous Harding with her song, The Barrel. Wait, sorry, what? Aldous Harding. 
Oh, okay. Her song The Barrel, which comes from her 2019 album, <laughs> Designer. Did you mean Aldous Huxley? Nope. Okay. You're getting confused. Because apparently, in modern times, Mary, Aldous is a girl's name, no longer a boy's name. What other, name me another name that was once a girl's name and is now, a, or was once a boy's name and now a girl's name. Ashley. That's true. That's one. Evelyn. That's another one. Beverly. Beverly. Charlie. Well, Charlie, I think, is a is a shortened, like, from Charlotte, which is a, like, is a, okay. a girlization of a... Okay. Sawyer. Sawyer's her last name. Harper. Harp. Well, Harper Lee. She's from a while ago. Mm-hmm. Was Harper a boy's name before? Mm, I think so. Okay. Hmm. How about um, uh, Lynn? Lynn. Yeah. Lynn was a boy's name before. Thinking of Lynn from uh, Breaking Bad, the, the kind of the kind of uh, chemist who's brought in to replace Walter by Gus. Oh yeah, or Lynn Manuel Miranda. Sure. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. So anyway, let's... apparently Aldous Harding's real name is Hannah. Oh, so she gave herself Aldous. Hannah Top. Huh. Oh, so her whole name is made up. Interesting. Yeah. Well, she actually has her mother's. Her mother is a folk singer. Okay. Lorena Harding. I or see. Lorena Harding. Okay. So she took her mother's last name. I see. Keep it. Keep it. Uh, keep it in the family. Keep it in the family. Okay. So let's listen to her song, "The Barrel" from uh, Designer. I really like the song, everyone. So I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Here and so 
Yeah, it's a very good song. Uh, so I guess you you have her open there and thing, but so she's from New Zealand. She's yes. a New Zealand uh, singer songwriter. I don't have much to say about her uh, other than this album was produced by um, the uh, by John Parrish, who works quite a bit with PJ Harvey. So okay. I like that I like that connection because I'm a big PJ Harvey fan. And then uh, it was recorded in Wales in at Rockfield Studios in Monmouth, Wales. So and the other interesting thing about it is that one of the musicians on it is Hugh Evans. And why that's interesting is it's because it, he's her boyfriend. He's her boyfriend. Yeah. And it connects to her next artist. Oh, Kate LeBon. Kate LeBon. Cool. Because he was once Kate LeBon's boyfriend. Oh, really? And Ooh. so this album, which is called Reward, is her breakup album in oh. the end of her relationship with Hugh Evans. Interesting. So I guess that's a good reason for us to listen to Kate LeBon. But wait, can I just say one more Oh, yeah, thing sure. Oh, did you didn't The Barrel? To... Yeah, please say it. Um, it. I just wanted to say that it, it won... Um, an award in New Zealand. Oh, okay. For songwriting. What's it, what's the award called? APRA. APRA. A P R A. Artists producing records a lot. That's what that stands for. Artists producing records a lot. Awards. Well, I'm glad she won that. You know what I like about that song, Mary? I just want to say one, a little bit about the barrel. We don't really talk about songs musically very often, mm-hmm. mostly because I don't know anything about music, so yeah, I just I, I just that. know what I like. Yep. But I when you listen to a song, there's one thing you're kind of oh, struck sorry, it's by. Australasian. Uh, Performing Right Association. Australasian. Sounds sexy. I don't like that. Don't like what? That you said that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, why? Was this a dumb comment? You don't like dumb comments? Well, how have I, how have we survived together so long? I, I don't know. It's interesting. So, uh, uh Lord oh. has won that, uh, that award twice. Lord? Lords? Yes. Or just Lord? Is Lord. it just Lord? Her song was Royals. Oh, but her, her name, name is, is Lord. Lord. Okay. Hmm. With an E, that's right. Pronounced. That's not a real name either, right? 
Ella, Maria, Lanny, Yelich, O'Connor. Huh. But if you take all those names and, and spell them out, it's an anagram. No. Or an acronym, Lord. No. It would be M Leo. Lord. No? Nope. Darn. Okay, so <laughs> So what I like in this song is when she's singing and there's that person speaking. Sometimes it's her maybe and sometimes other, sometimes other musicians. They're like speaking the line that she's singing. Mm-hmm. I really like when people do that in songs. I mean, if they did it all the time, it would probably be boring. But when it just happens every once in a while, I just like that effect of like the kind of off-kilter backing vocals in a song. Right. That's what I like about so much about that uh, Tragically Hip song, A Head by a Century, is the off-kilter background backing vocals. Oh, yeah. That's what really makes the song for me. Yeah, for and, sure. And uh, I, I always kind of like that. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up before we moved on to to good old Kate LeBon, who's a an artist I love very much. Mm-hmm. I just I really like her music. She this is probably the first time we've played her, but we will hear her again throughout uh, throughout uh, the um, the listening parties. The listening parties. Yes, and so this song is called "Here It Comes Again" from her from her album Reward. Okay. I'm gonna spare Mary telling you what year it came from, and uh, and like I say, this is Kate LeBon's breakup record, and let's just give a listen to "Here It Comes Again."
right, and we're back. And uh, Mary, what did you think of? What did you think of? Uh, Here it comes again. I liked the song a lot. Oh, I'm glad. I thought it was really good. Yeah, she's very, she's very good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Kate Lamont is great. She performs. I I first heard her like described as surreal or as Dada esque, and so I think this album has less of that too because I feel like this album's more of a personal statement. It still does have her love of the kind of non sequitur, the kind of absurdity like the just the lyrical absurdity but it's a very i think it's a very personal album like i say it kind of deals with her uh life at that moment which in 2017 she kind of suddenly felt like everything was like crushing her Hmm. and her relationship had ended and she had been very busy and so she just like stopped right she rented a cottage in the lake district and enrolled in a course in furniture making Hmm. there cool and so she was working with her hands. She was making furniture and kind of just like decompressing from music. And she wasn't really thinking about music at all. She wasn't even writing songs for the longest time. And it just kind of came back to her naturally. She just started, songs kind of suddenly started popping into her brain, I guess, mm-hmm. as it does for people who are musically inclined that way. I don't understand it, but it does happen. And she started writing songs on the piano that was in the rented cottage that she had. Oh, okay, cool. Because she hadn't brought her guitar with her. Right. And so unlike other albums, which she recorded, what she you know, like had as guitar as the main instrument. This album kind of was centered on the piano. Hmm. And and then also she wasn't, like, before she would, like, record the music and then she would do the lyrics as an afterthought. But now, for this album, she was, like, they were integrated. She was, the lyrics were kind of happening at the same time as the music. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, like I say, what I said about Hugh Evans, so um, the song is about the breakup of their relationship, which is covered in the song of the light on the album most like most obviously but um he was like a major part of life they went out together for 10 years they they um he gave her her name when he jokingly her actual name is kate timothy yeah but he scratched out her name and he wrote Lebon on a on a, on a concert poster mm-hmm. as a jokey reference to si- simon Lebon from duran mm. duran oh, okay and it kind of stuck and it became her name and she just started using it after that and yeah so she just kind of wrote this album as a sort of this weird kind of catharsis Mm-hmm. But I think it's really kind of great. Yeah, that's a long time to to be together and then to break yeah up, to break right? up. But they're still friends. Like they broke up in a way that that kind of maintained their friendship. Mm. He plays on the album. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, and I just thought it was curious that these two songs. I didn't know that when I put them together. When I first put this together, I was doing the research after I compiled all the songs. But I think it's kind of funny that they kind of I naturally put them together without realizing it. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's cool. Okay. So we go from Kate Lebon, who you enjoyed. You said you enjoyed her very yes, much. Yes, right? I did to a band that I don't think you enjoyed as much. This is Garcia Peoples and their song High Noon Violence from their album, uh, which is called, it's called, I'm trying to remember what it's called without looking at it, but I can't remember now. Uh, Natural Facts. I knew it was like modern nature, but I couldn't remember what, (laughs) darn it. So uh, here we go. This is uh, High Noon Violence from their album Natural Facts, everyone. Here we go.
right, and we're back. And I think the name of the song doesn't really give you a sense of what the song's going to feel like, because High New Violence sounds like it's going to be a really, really rocking song. When the song, I think, draws much more from like kind of early 70s Americana kind of mm-hmm. sound, mm-hmm. Um, with a kind of very much a Grateful Dead-inspired jam band sound, which obviously is hinted at by the name Garcia Peoples, a reference to Jerry Garcia, mm. the kind of the main, main the sort of the the main figure of Gar- of uh, Grateful Dead, right. kind of the, the band leader, the band kind of centered around him. So what do you think of the song, Mayor? I liked it. Oh, you did? Yeah, I yeah. thought you wouldn't because it was kind of jammy. It was very, kind no, of had that swirling I... kind of dual guitar sound, I mean, which, I, you know, I love, love I so much. I do love, uh, I do like a dueling guitar sound. Oh, okay, okay. I just don't like it when a, when a band goes on for too long. Oh, uh, okay. And it feels like they don't know what they're doing. They're just like playing just to like play and be like, we are. It's like, okay, okay, get it. We made an album. Like, uh, I'm sure you're fine. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I think that's maybe, but I think mostly jamming is more a sense of the thrill of playing together. Mm-hmm. Like it's not really for you. And maybe that's a problem for an audience. If you don't just enjoy the music, you maybe feel left out of it because the band is really playing for each other right. in those moments, you know, like it's about cooking together, mm-hmm. you know. And Garcia Peoples is part of that too. I almost wish this song was longer i wish it was maybe two minutes longer so really? we can get some more of the guitar playing oh my god because i do really like the guitar playing i like this kind of swirling spiraling guitar sound they get it's really good so yeah they're this, from i mean this song's already five minutes long yeah i know but two minutes would be, make it even longer all right and uh yeah they're from new jersey mm-hmm. from i think uh east rutherford or some kind of name like that hmm. and they kind of formed as a band but mostly as like kind of like they weren't like serious they formed like two uh, 2011. So it's taken them quite a while to like get to the point where they're playing as a serious band. Right. I mean, uh, that's not uncommon. No, no. And I have to really comment on the dual guitars of the players. Like one guy's name is Tom Malak and the other guy's name is Danny Arakaki. Ara- and his brother plays drums in the band. And they really, uh, I don't know, they really get like a great kind of sound going with, with the two of them. And the, the vocals are okay. I think that's probably the weakest part of the group hmm. is their vocals. So, you know, I feel like, you know, more, the more jamming, the better. But yeah, I hope they come through town one day because I would love to see them play live. I'd like to see them stretch out and do some long stuff. There's another album that they have, which I don't have called, I think it's called like After the Fat, no, After the, I don't care what it's called, but it um, it has a like a sidelong song on it, which to me sounds great to have a sidelong song. But anyway, <laughs> Mary's shaking her head. <laughs> okay, so Mary, that brings us to another artist who is on Sub Pop Records, mm-hmm. whose name is Shannon Lay. And now we've played this, I've played this song before. I played this song when I was doing, once again, that sax, the saxophone in, in modern song uh, top five thing uh, that made people question my sanity. And so that's, um, but I just love it so much. So we're, we're going to play it again because I just think it's a great, great song. So this is Shannon Lay. And the song, as Mary mentioned earlier, Death Up Close from her album from this year called August. So let's give this a listen, everyone. Coming from the north side
did you think of uh shannon lee and death up close i really like this song yeah it's so good isn't it it's so good yeah it's this is probably to be honest this is probably my favorite album of 2019 oh really yeah if i had to like choose an album yeah i think that this is probably my favorite song on this like this uh, like every song in this album is really great yeah and there's some songs where she does it like a, just all acoustic. Another song she she plays electric, mm. but she still does it as like finger picked. Right. And so she'll do this really like repeating figures on yeah. electric guitar so you get the sustain. Oh yeah. And it really it's really beautiful. Yeah. No, I love I loved how just like how like sparse mm-hmm. it sounds, yeah. but it doesn't sound like empty because yeah. she's got such a like beautiful full voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you can yeah, just like the finger picking is so like yeah beautiful. Yeah. And yep. can I just say yeah. Even though this song had sax in it, yeah, I still thought it was good. <laughs> yeah, so she's a Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter. Okay. And the title of the album and the song August on the album is a reference to that the I would imagine would be like a kind of fateful, fretful day mm-hmm. when she quit her day job. And re- and decided to rely entirely on her on her music for her right. for her living. Yeah, that's a hard. Yeah. Hard thing to do. Yeah. So she worked at this kind of hip vintage clothing store in LA called Squaresville. And so she left that job and became became a full time musician, mm. as it were. I put that in quotes because, you know, yeah. it's sort of meaningless. But but yeah, so what's interesting is that almost immediately after leaving the store, she was contacted by another local musician, this guy named Kevin Morby, mm-hmm. to open for him on his tour. And so suddenly she was able to because she didn't have a job. She could let go wherever she wanted to. She could do it. So and he liked her music so much that he launched a, a special label imprint to release her album. Oh, wow. To release, a, not this album, but an album called Living Water, which came out in 2017. Okay. Uh, her first two albums, um, so Living Water was her third album. August is her fourth album, but, but her first for Sub Pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did an album called All This Life Going Down, which came out in 2017, and then a collection of demos called Holy Heartache, uh, which came out in 2015. Mm. So so she's done a lot of, lot of albums, but this is... Um, 
Living Water and this album really kind of her first with like a full group playing, you know, with her and like with arranged songs and stuff like that. Right. And uh, so what's interesting is like this song is so spare feeling, but I feel like she can do that because she plays in a in a kind of garage punk band called Feels. So imagine that gives you all the noisy space, like all kind of like all the noisy, very much kind of claustrophobic feeling songs that you'd want. So when she's playing by herself, she can just have like that openness. She doesn't need to like work out those feelings. And then, uh, yeah, she recorded it. She's a member of Ty Seagal's, also a member of Ty Seagal's touring band, which is called the Freedom Band. And she wor- recorded this album in Ty Seagal's home studio. Um, but she didn't. he didn't produce it. It was produced by this other guy named Emmett Kelly, who's in the Cairo Gang, mm-hmm. which is another good band from L.A., and uh, another musician, M- Mikkel Cronin, played the sax on the song. And listening to it, I wonder if he's like an actual sax player or if he just picked it up and kind of added that little bit of tone to the song. Because it's a very simple part but it, and very short, but it's very effective. So, yeah, it's very good. Wouldn't you say? Yes, it's a very good song. All right. All right. And what's the next song? So this is, this is the final song. This is a song by Julia Jacqueline. Yes. And it's called Don't Know How to Keep Loving You from her album Crashing, which came out this year. So, uh, or sorry, Crushing, which Crushing. came out this year. Crushing, oh, okay. which came out this year. So that's, that's what I get for not looking at my notes, Mayor. I mis- misspeak the name of the album. Gosh darn it. i have to fire it. you. i have to fire me. Or huh? I could re-record it. I could redo it and cut out the, my mistakes. Let me do that again. Here we You're go. You're not going to do that. Yep, here we go. This is a song by Julia Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. It's called Don't Know How to Stop Loving You. Okay. Damn it. I messed it up again. Okay, play, I'm not looking at my notes. Play the song. So I'm going to do it one more time, Mary. No, just play the song. So let's listen to Julia Jacqueline from her album Crashing. Uh-huh. What song? The song's called Don't Know If I Can Keep no, On Loving You. That's not it. From 2018. That's not it. <laughs> Here we go. There's the song. Not, it's all wrong. It's all of that's wrong. Let's play the song, Dad. you 
So that was Julia Jacqueline and her song, Don't Know How to Keep Loving You, from her album Crushing Mary, mm-hmm. which came out in 2019. In, it came out in 2019, that's right. And what do you think of this song? I also thought the song was great. Oh, this is a great song too. I, I agree with you. And that's why it ends the album. Yes, it's a good, good. It's a good ender. Yes. Very emotional. Yes. She has a very emotional voice. Yes. Really throws her heart into the song. Definitely. And then it has some nice little guitar work in it as well, which I also appreciate in the song. And it's kind of long too. I think it's around seven minutes long as well. I don't think it was quite that long. Maybe it was. No, just five and a half. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, she's, an, uh, just for our Australian listeners, she's based in Australia. She's an Australian artist and grew up in the Blue Mountain area near Sydney. Her parents were teachers. And she says that her parents couldn't really understand her, like, desire to become a musician. But it was very early on that she wanted to do it. Like, at the age of 10, inspired by Britney Spears, she started taking classical, uh, voc- like, classical vocal training. Oh, cool. Uh, and then... She joined a band in high school where they covered Avril Lavigne and Evanescence. Cool. Emo. Some real emo, yeah. Some real emo, screamo stuff there. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, they were like, we've got all these emotions. We need to get all these emotions out through emotion. our song. Yeah. Parents just don't understand. <laughs> it's perfect for teenagers. Yeah. Should be about that. That's what those songs should be. And um, yeah, so then when she she left school and was working in an essential oils factory... I mean, she saved her money up to pay for her first album, to pay oh, wow. to produce her first album. Cool. Good for her. Yeah. And so it was called Don't Let the Kids Win. And that did pretty well. Got some attention. And then um, and then she recorded her next album, which is Crushing, at this remote studio called Grove Studios, which was built by uh, this guy named Gary Gary Beers, okay. who was in the Sounds band. Sounds fake. Sounds like yeah. a fake name. Well, his first name is Gary. It's spelled with two R's. Mm-hmm. Middle name is Gary with one R. Hmm. And his last name, Beers. Hmm. I don't know if it's like a nickname. Gary is a nickname with one R. I don't really know. But yeah, he was in In Excess, the kind of pretty famous Australian band who were like a big hit in the yep. 80s. And he built a studio. And so she she recorded it there 
with uh, the producers Burke Reed, who produced, uh, amongst other, uh, produced Courtney Barnett, who we both like. Yes, we do both like Courtney Barnett. So there we go. So that is my, Mary, that was my collection of songs I, I enjoyed from uh, 2019. So what do you think of that? So overall, you liked it. I did. I really liked the album over, overall. Yeah. The, the, uh, Despite the, the weak song beginning. Selection. Yes, I felt like it was sort of an upward, you know, it was <laughs> For, like started off well, not great and then yeah. all the songs just got better. Wow, that's funny because I, I love those two two songs so much that open it as well. It's just, Obviously, I like all the songs. That's why I chose them. They're, they're songs that I thought were really great that I heard throughout 2019. That I compiled for for you for everyone out there, and I was telling a uh, someone about this, and they they seem really excited about it. So I hope that uh, listeners enjoyed this little uh, detour into the present, because one of the problems with doing doing this collection or doing these these uh, listening party shows is that the music that's in them is always receding, right? Because they're always they're from a particular fixed point in time. Mm. And we're only getting farther and farther past that time, so mm-hmm. I can't I can't have new songs from 2018 right. or 2019 that yeah. I like very much. Well, no, it is nice to do this like end of year roundup for yeah. sure for yeah. that reason. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of do this just as a sort of a a little breather before we get we dive into our next mixtape for for uh, for next year, right? Or this year, I guess I should say. Yes. As part of my, I was already lecturing you on being in the moment, and there I forgot that yeah. we were actually on Thursday. Yeah. January the 2nd or whatever it right. is. Right. Yeah, that's the day we're recording this. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, my... I'm going to put up my... Uh, no, we'll, we'll my include My suggestion. Well, this will be the final song we'll play. We won't play it our normal end of the show song. We'll play it on this song. Okay. Is that all right? Sure. That works. So what is your end of the... Okay. So this is a novelty song. Okay. Maybe we won't end with this then. <laughs> it's good. Okay. It's a good song. All right. Um, it's called Subaru Crosstrek XV. Subaru Crosstrek XV. Is this yes. a country song? No. Okay. Um, it's but <laughs> hey, uh, most country. No, okay, that's not true. I was gonna say most country songs aren't bad. There are some country songs. Yeah, there are some country songs that, that, are, that, are, that are okay. There are some country songs that are okay. fine to listen to. Yeah, fine to listen to. That don't make my ears bleed. <laughs> um, this song yeah. is by. Okay, sorry. So this song is Subaru Crosstrek XV. Yeah. By Hobo Johnson. Okay. From his album. Uh, the Fall of Hobo Johnson from 2019. Okay, and who is Hobo Johnson? Uh, he is an artist. I think he's from L.A. Artist, artist formerly known as... Oh, we have to look him up. He didn't come prepared, Mary. No. You know, when I, you come on the show, you better have some notes for me. Okay, his name is Frank Lopez Jr. Frank Lopez Jr., okay. He's the same age as me. Oh, okay. He's 25. And he's done so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a... Um, he, so he goes by Hobo Johnson because he when he was 19, he was kicked out of his parents' house. Oh, dear. And so he lived in his car for a while. So uh, he got, um, he gained some minor celebrity um, from being a SoundCloud rapper. Okay. And uh, the first thing that he did was buy a new car. Okay. Because he lived. Bigger, bigger car? Yeah, because he lived in his car for so long. Yeah. So he bought a Subaru Crosstrack. I see. So this is his song that's sort of about. Um, it's sort of about moving up and it's sort of about the decisions that you make mm. in your life. Okay. But it's also definitely, definitely a novelty song. Um, okay. So it's... I'm going to put it here, actually. I'm going to put it, it was part of the show right yeah. now. Yeah. No, that sounds good. But I'm not going to be able to hear it, I guess. So I'm just going to pretend that I really liked it when, it, when we come back. Well, I can play it for you. Oh, okay. Okay. Phone. All right. Well, let's listen to it then. And I'll listen to it while, while, um, while you guys listen to it mm. and we'll come back and I'll give you my, my, my instant thoughts. Yeah. All right. Here we go, everyone. Okay. 
I just bought a Subaru Crosstrek, I would've bought a Lambo, but I'm not quite there yet Sometimes I get drunk and I forget what day it is, I wish that I was skinnier, but I love sandwiches One time I tried to burn stage to clear the vibe, then the smoke alarm went off and my ex-girl cried She cried for a bunch of other reasons, I, I'm never going back to Four Seasons I wish that I was friends with Drake so I can dig through his trash and have a yard sale today Damn, I wish my name wasn't Frank, fuck, I wish it was Blake, Blake. I learned a lot from my dad, like how to yell a lot and make a car go fast. I wish that I was in the league. I'm a number one pick with two bad knees. I just bought a Subaru Crosstrek. I just bought a Subaru Crosstrek. We're both very reliable. Gotten a couple accidents. I just bought a Subaru Crosstrek. I would've bought a Lambo, but I'm not quite there yet. I just bought a Subaru Crosstrek. I would've bought a Bentley, but I'm not quite there yet. What's the point of being cool? Cut your hair and get a job like the rest of us do Don't play guitar in the park and just sit If I hear another G chord, I'm breaking your shit Nothing like a Subaru Crosstrek Suspension is soft as a cute little baby neck My click orders club salads And look like they all sing ballads I could've bought a Lambo happily But the insurance is high and I kinda want a family why does dad have a Lambo? He was insecure about himself, son, let it go Nothing like fighting another man Cause he cut me off in traffic and my morning started back I'm glad that his kids got to see That his dad's a giant prick and that he got what he needs Nothing like crying in a Subaru Crosstrek Life is an abyss half filled with sadness My ex-girl's grandpa invented pinball He had a lot of time on his hands uh. I just bought a Subaru Crosstrek I would've bought a Lambo, but I'm not quite there yet I just bought a Subaru Crosstrek, I would've bought a Bentley, but I'm not quite there yet I just bought a Subaru Crosstrek, I would've bought a Lambo, but I'm not quite there yet I just bought a Subaru Crosstrek, I would've bought a Bentley, but I'm not quite there yet Hey guys! Have you heard about the all-new Subaru Crosstrek with the new suspension package? If you buy one, you'll be riding smooth in no time. It also came with a trailer hitch, but... It's only four cylinders, so you probably shouldn't tow anything. My dad said that messes up the transmission. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, Subaru Crosstrek XV by Hobo Johnson from his um, 2019 album, The Fall of Hobo Johnson. All right. That was pretty rappy, Mayor. It was. It's kind of like a, kind of a low-key Macklemore. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I'd say so. I yeah. mean, he's, yeah, he's, um, I think he's Mexican. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, it's it's pretty like silly mm-hmm. and high energy yeah. and funny. Yeah, you know, which I I, I like. Mm-hmm. I don't really like a lot of like rap mm. very much. Yeah, but I thought that the song was just very like lighthearted and enjoyable. Super chill. Yeah, and like I felt like it it just has like a lot of um sort of ideas that you don't really see in rap. Mm-hmm. Like I bought a Subaru Crosstrek, or I didn't buy a Lambo because the insurance is expensive and I want to start a family. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, that's not really... No, like, he's not. He's definitely not speaking to uh, yeah, like he's speaking a typical to, audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like he's, yeah, he's speaking to, like, a yeah, very different audience. Mm. And I was I was reading about something about the song um, before I was just, like, in my spare time a couple weeks ago. And I guess before he put the song on his album, he reached out to Subaru yeah. um, to just to make sure that they would be okay with him having the song. Yeah. And he said, 
uh, that they didn't get back to him. So <laughs> you just did it anyway. <laughs> he just did it anyway. Yeah, yeah. He, but yeah, I guess because people had been like, "Is this like an ad? Do you get paid for this?" He was like, "No, I just really like my Subaru Crosstrek." That's great. Well, but, I hope it does turn around for him. Yeah, that would be nice for him. Yeah, if he could get totally. A, get out of it. Yeah, and I mean, he was saying like, you know, a lot of music is, um, you know, a lot of music is. Uh, is advertising anyway, right? Especially rap music mm-hmm. where a lot of mm-hmm. it's about brands. Well, you know, like a lot of people, I mean, I, this is something I think about sometimes because a lot of people complain about music used in commercials. Mm. That's something Paul McCartney is really against, like coming out of the 60s, you know, like he's objected many times to the Beatles songs being used for, for commercials and things like that. And he controls, you know, a few different publishing things. And so, you know, you have like uh, Buddy Holly and stuff that he controls the, the, the publishing of. Mm-hmm. That he bought the music publishing when he had, you know, when he was in the seventies, and you know, part, and I can see his point, but you know, think of something like Pink Moon, the Nick Drake song that was used for a Volkswagen commercial. Yes, and then very beautifully, like very tastefully used for this commercial. It wasn't like mm-hmm. done in an exploitative way. No, it didn't like have like Nick Drake driving around in a Jetta. Right, it just used his music and had like young people driving around in in, in Volkswagens. Mm-hmm. But it brought. Nick Drake's music to a whole new generation of people who'd never heard him before. Yeah. Who now have the ability to use like Shazam on your phone or Music Hound or whatever mm-hmm. that you can press and find out who this so and you hear a song and you go, oh, this song's really great. Yeah. Press your phone and discover this by this person named Nick Drake that you don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're exploring this new artist, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. Like, in a way, in a way, like, you know, Paul McCartney not letting Buddy Holly songs, for instance, be used for commercials is cutting Buddy Holly off from a whole new generation of people. Yeah. Like, they'll never hear his music. No, because, I mean... In any kind of way, because they're not going to listen to oldies music stations. No, definitely not. And, like, the Beatles are still, like, an intrinsic enough part of our culture yeah. that people will still know who the Beatles are yeah. for quite a while longer. Yeah. Right? Um, but that's it's not the same for Buddy Holly. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, like, it's kind of... And I, yeah. feel, and I feel like if, like, a song, like, Rave On or... or That'll be the day or something was used in a commercial. Like people would hear that and would really like it and would, you know, kind of discover this music that's, you know, it's, it's almost Buddy Holly isn't like, isn't to me, isn't really tied to a particular era the way that, that a lot of rockabilly people are and stuff right. like his music is kind of, would kind of like, could, could move out of that time period and, and, and be interesting to a different generation, but no one ever gets to hear it. Mm-hmm. Outside of people who narrow cast their music, listen right. to oldies stations or whatever, yeah. specifically fifties oldies, you know, right? So it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of two minds about it. Like, I, you know, like I'm, uh, and I'm part of that generation that you know you want to sell it to the man and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, the man's got the money. Yeah, it's going to keep you alive and keep mm-hmm. your music out there in front of people. Like sometimes it's okay to license your songs to movies or TV or t- commercials and yeah. things. You know. I would want to have like some say over how it was used. Yeah. You know, but I wouldn't want to, at the same time, you know, I think it's a a, a chance to have a good life, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. To discover a wider audience for your mm-hmm. stuff. Exactly. And I mean, the other thing is it's like, it's not like, it's not like these artists are like remaining pure with their music, right? Like if yeah. you look at like Kanye, who's like uh, selling, you know, uh, shoes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or clothing or whatever, that yeah. Yeezy stuff. Yeah. Right? And, like, that's all, like, super, like, overblown and expensive to the point where he's become, like, a brand. Yeah. Right? Like, that's not... Um, it's not like he's not in it for the money. It's mm-hmm. not like that stuff's all about the art. Right? Um, and, yeah, but, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, uh, 
like hip hop or rap is like a lot of that is about brands, you know? And so for him to just be really like for Hobo Johnson to just be really like upfront about it and be like, I mean, everyone's talking about brands all the time anyway. Well, especially in that kind of mumblecore rap is yeah. very, very brand oriented. Yeah, so. totally. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's interesting. No, it's. I think it's a. I think it's a super fun song. Yeah, so. I'm glad you. Yeah, it's not totally my my taste because I not I'm not lyrically inclined. Yeah, as you know, and I react to music. So one problem I have with rap music is that it's very repetitive. There's not a lot of melody to mm-hmm. it. It's more beat oriented. Yeah, and so that's a, a major stumbling block for me. To, right, there are, is rap music that I like a lot. So thank you for that, Mayor. Oh, you're welcome. Would you like to let people know how they can contact us to thank you? Me for your choices, yeah, for your choice of music, uh, or you. I don't think they want to thank me. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, if you want to, you can organize a lynching. If you want to reach out to me for um, thanking you for exposing you to Hobo Johnson Subaru Crosstrack XV, thank you. Can... Thanking, thanking me for exposing you. Oh, to... yeah. Speaking of double negatives, that was yeah. a double pronoun negative. It sure was. <laughs> um, sneakydragon.com. Yes. Uh, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Sneaky underscore dragon on Twitter or Sneaky Dragon on Facebook. That's a variety of ways you can you can contact us by posting on our message boards, by emailing us, by tweeting at us, or by um, following us on Facebook. Wow, Mary, you really have that down to an art. Thank you. I do my best. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We love to see people, you know, converse on the message boards and chat about what songs they liked, what songs they didn't like. We'd love to hear your opinions. Write us an email. Maybe we'll read it on the show. That's true. You know, do those things. We love to hear from you. Yes. Please send us grist for our mill. Yes. And also please send an email to dad reminding him to pick up the other mic <laughs> from Vancouver. <laughs> I will. Because we're huddled on both sides of this one. I will. It is... It's very close. I'm hugging you There's now. Not a lot of room. Oh, Mary, you lick it. It's fine. Ugh. Ugh. Family. Gross. <laughs> Get out of here, Dad. <laughs> All right, everyone. So thank you for tuning in this week. I hope you enjoyed this uh, sort of special, special edition of the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. Yes. I hope you had a good Christmas, and I hope you have a good New Year. Yes. Happy New Year once again, and we'll see you in the bye week with. Uh, the beginning of our next mixtape. Okay. That'll be pretty exciting. Yes. I think it's a two two mixtape set. Oh, okay, cool. All so, right. So there we go. We will see you soon. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.